Okay, find your way to Psalm 23 as we continue our series of uh, messages on this. Holy Spirit, we just so welcome your presence here in this place. And Lord, more than anything else, we want you to speak to us. Father, help us not to listen for a, a great message or sermon, but Lord, to listen for your voice and to hear that rhema word that can, Lord, so impact us Help us, strengthen us, and move us on in our journey with you. Lord, give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Psalm 23, verse 1 to, 1 to 2. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. You know, one of the greatest qualities of a shepherd is his love for the sheep. Even see that with David when he went out and fought a lion and a bear as an indication to us of how much a shepherd will sacrifice for a sheep. Jesus himself said in John 10, 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. And that's you and that is me. The Bible says that nothing in earth or in heaven can separate us from God's love. Isn't that good news? There's nothing you can do that can make God love you less. Do you know that? There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more because His love is unconditional. I read an amazing story that just challenged my heart. It's about this Methodist preacher, and he had 10 kids. Eight of them were boys, were all preachers, a whole lot. Ten daughters were incredibly godly. But unfortunately, he got seriously ill. And the illness caused severe pain in his life. So bad that they had to virtually knock him out with drugs. It was unbearable. He ends up addicted to morphine. He smoked 24 cigars a day and drank two quarts of whiskey every day. Till the age of 73, he was drug senseless just to bear the pain. The great man of God, John G. Lake, went to pray for him one day, prayed nonstop for 16 hours. But there was no change in the man's life. Then Lake said he took hold of the man and he said compassion for the man came over him with words that are were too deep for any words to express. And that was God's love for this straying sheep. And that man was instantly healed by God's power. You know, as I thought about that story, many of us would have written off a one-time preacher who was now smoking 24 cigars a day and drinking two quarts of whiskey. But our great shepherd, his love knows no bounds, it knows no limits. He'll go to the ends of the earth in search of one sheep that has gone astray. How wonderful is our Jesus. How wonderful is our personal shepherd. He will never, ever give up on you or anyone that you know who may be away from God. 
We also learn that you and I need to deal very kindly with sheep that do stray, and many, many do. And not to be cross with them, not to be angry or too frustrated because then they'll never feel welcome back into the flock. Verse 2 says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Now, that's a fantastic promise in century 21 when most of us are rushing here and there. We're stressed and we're very restless, constantly on the go. And when we're like that, it actually does affect our ability to trust God. Why? Because it says in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. You know, if you're ever really struggling and struggling to find peace and you're just unsettled and restless, I want to encourage you, get still. Get before the Lord. Get into His presence. Be still and know that He's God, that He's in control. He's watching over you and you'll find that a peace will settle into your heart. Of course, the key is that we've got to stay close to our shepherd because as we do, he'll cause us to lie down, according to Psalm 23, in green pastures. He'll lead us beside still waters. So we can enjoy peace. The problem we have, I have, we all have, is that we tend to wander away from the shepherd. When we do that, we always lose our peace. Usually with it, our joy goes as well. They say that one of the most difficult tasks for a shepherd is to get a sheep to lie down and rest. It's probably true today, isn't it? As God's sheep, for him to get us to lie down and rest, you know, in the right sense. I'm not talking about lying down on the lazy boy and sleeping all day. I'm not I'm talking about, I'm just about lying down, resting, slowing down is a real challenge. And so they say there's four things that are essential for sheep to rest and lie down. Literal sheep, but also as God's sheep. The first thing they need, and I'll research this, is freedom from fear. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. You know, the more we know our shepherd, the closer we get to him, the more fear is going to be driven out of our lives. Do you know why? Because he is the Prince of Peace. And the closer you get to Jesus, the more the Prince of Peace rules and reigns in our hearts. I have discovered, having been a Christian for many decades now, I'm far more peaceful today than I was when I first started the journey. I'd be a lot more fearful and anxious, but as I've got closer and closer to Jesus, wow, I'm not free of fear, and I know peace all the time, but I'm telling you, I'm far better than I used to be. I have been transformed by God's grace over the years. I think as Christians, we can be among the most fearless of people on the planet. Because as I said, the Prince of Peace is with us. The righteous are bold as a lion. And I think of some of the fearless people in Scripture who appear to be fearless. I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. I think of Daniel in the lion's den. The millions of martyrs, that some of them jumped into the arena such was their love for God. Some of them at the stake as they were burning were singing hymns unto God. There is a realm of freedom from fear that maybe many of us have not yet discovered, but we can. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. We have authority, and I've done this, and I've prayed for different people to command fear to go in Jesus' name. 
And don't put up with fear when it begins to grip your heart. You have authority. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. you know, take authority over that wretched thing. Command it to go in Jesus' name and be free or more free from fear in your life. The second thing sheep need in order to be, uh, lie down and rest is they've got to be free from friction with other sheep. You know, the greatest commandment is to love one another. Love your neighbor as you see. I want to suggest it's impossible to be at peace, peace, lie down and rest when you're in conflict with another person, especially another Christian, but really with anyone. And uh, it's impossible to rest. And so I want to give you four thoughts that may help you to be free of conflict with another person. First thing is this, increase your understanding of the person that's annoying you. Have any of you ever got someone that annoys you? Is that, am I the only one? No, all right. I know I annoy a lot of people, but, you know, it does work both ways, doesn't it? So increase your understanding of that person. See, as you understand them, it can, then you can begin to see why they did what they did. It doesn't make what they did right, but it can help you to understand a little bit more. You may end up saying, well, no wonder they did this. Find out a bit about their history, their background, their parents' upbringing. There's a nine-year-old girl, and she was hurting so badly, she had a poor relationship with her father. So both of them went to counseling, which was a miracle in itself. And when they got there, they asked the daughter, what would you really like from your dad? And she said, well, for once that he would tell me that he really loved me. And the father butts in and says, you know, of course I love you. Well, she said, I just want you to say it. The father begins to cry. He says, I can't say it. He said, I never heard it from my mum or my dad. Finally, he did manage to say it. But as this girl, only nine years old, understood the history, why her dad was like he was, it really helped her to handle the situation, which leads to a second point, is to lower your expectations or let go of them. There's a lady who lived in expectation that one day her father, usually comes to a father, doesn't it, would, be, would do something nice to her and love her. The fact was, with his own history, that was just never going to happen. And some of us are waiting for people to do something for us, and folks, it's just never going to happen. Let it go. You say, I can't. Yes, you can. By the grace of God, by the power of His Spirit, you can let it go. They say a major cause of of disappointment, depression, and other things. Not the only cause is wrong expectations. You know, a lot, lack, loss of expectations is a very powerful thing and really can affect us uh, very, very deeply. Now, I'm not saying don't hold on faith for something that you know God wants to do for you. That's a whole different story. But I'm talking about here about relationships. The third thing to do is to bless your offender. Now, this is tough and not easy to do for any of us. Um, but seek their good. Pray for them. Send them a gift. You know, something happens inside us when we love our offender, love our enemy. It'll do a work in your life, I think, that very few other things could ever do. It'll take you deeper into God because Jesus was the ultimate at blessing his offenders, ultimate at blessing those who rejected him, despised him, hurt him, even crucified him. Let's go to Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read to you verse 17. These are some of the most challenging verses in all of Scripture, in my opinion, anyway. Repay no one. Everyone say no one. Mm. Repay no one evil for evil. 
Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, be, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, nor give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will replace, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you overcome the evil that's done to you? You'd overcome it with good. You repay it in, in the opposite to what was done for you, and that will help you to find victory and overcoming in your situation. Then the fourth thing is to humble yourself. Humility is possibly the single greatest key to right relationships. Proverbs 13 verse 10 says, Only by pride comes contention. Only by pride. That's a big statement, is it not? Only so. so when there's contention, there's pride lurking in our hearts somewhere. And so we need to sort that pride out. You know, I read a while ago about mountain goats up high in the hills. And sometimes I'd be going around the mountain, these be narrow ledges. And occasionally one goat would be coming in one direction, another goat coming in the other direction, and they'd meet on, the, on this ledge. And just off the side of the edge, you just go down the cliff. And so there's no way past. And I understand initially they might lock horns, which most of us do when we clash with someone else. But do you know what happened after that? What they say happens is that one of the goats will lie down and let the other goat walk over it to the other side. How many of us are as smart as goats? Isn't that a creation, eh? teaches us the right ways of God. You know, there's so much in us that we want to stand up for our rights and fight and resist. It's not God's way. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and don't you worry. In due time, He will lift you up. That's the promise of the Scriptures. All right, the third thing about Sheep being able to lie down and rest is they have to be free of flies and parasites that torment. Now, this can speak to us of evil spirits, bad habits, and we need to be free of these in order to rest and lie down in peace. And many of you who struggle with these things will understand that tormenting thoughts, habits that just cripple our lives. You can't rest when those things are happening. But with sheep, they can suffer greatly because of the nose fly. Now, you won't like this, but listen anyway. The nosefly seeks to deposit its eggs on the mucous membrane of a sheep's nose. The eggs hatch into small worm larvae that eventually work their way up the nose into the sheep's head. This results in tremendous irritation, which causes the sheep to thrash and beat its head against anything it can find. In fact, it can get so irritated and so aggravated by it that it, will, that it may eventually kill itself in a desperate attempt to get rid of the aggravation. It's interesting, isn't it? We as God's sheep, we can be tormented by thoughts that somehow lodge, then they burrow their way into our minds, into our heads, into our brains, and cause us incredible torment. You know, the enemy is constantly planting thoughts into your mind 
to disrupt your peace and your walk with God. And these can be thoughts, let me give you some of them, thoughts of fear, thoughts of worry, thoughts of inferiority. Or I don't look any good. I'm ugly. Thoughts of rejection. Nobody likes me. Failure. Unbelief. That's a big one. Unbelief just lodges there. You're believing, believing, believing for something and suddenly unbelief comes in and before you know it, you're struggling. Thoughts of lust. Thoughts of unforgiveness. These can torment us and drive us to despair. So, what do we learn here? You've got to capture those thoughts in the early stages. Don't let them settle in your thoughts, in your heart, and in your mind because they just go deeper and deeper and deeper and become more and more difficult to get rid of. Some of those tormenting th- thoughts that you, that you really struggle with, they, they had an early stage when they were deposited, but you know, once it conceives, as it were, it begins to bear fruit and begins to torment our hearts and minds. That's why the Scripture says, above, you know, above all else, guard your heart, guard your mind with all diligence. And as soon as that thought comes, grab it, throw it out, resist it. Don't let it settle in your heart because that's going to save you. For some people, it'll save you a lifetime of worry. I guess a classic example would be pornography. It's the first sign of it. Turn that computer off. Get off the internet, whatever. Don't let it get in because by telling you once it's in, it can take a lifetime to ever get rid of. But it could be any, any area of your life where the enemy is throwing these thoughts at you that we have to really capture and diligently guard our minds. So to help the suffering sheep, what does the shepherd do? He has this oil that he applies to protect the sheep from the nose fly. Psalm 23, verse 5, you anoint my head with oil. We know oil speaks of the Holy Spirit, his presence, his power. That's what's going to help us and protect us when these thoughts are coming against us to, to uh, be free of them or to, to not let them settle in our thought patterns and in our hearts. We need to spend time daily with God and in his presence so that that oil can come over us and Watch over us and protect us. Psalm 140, verse 7. You have covered my head in the day of battle. So God can cover our heads and protect us. And also, we know in the armor of God, there is a helmet that we can put on, as again, for the protection of our mind and our thoughts. So we just have to guard our our minds very, very carefully. The fourth thing for sheep to lie down and rest is sheep must be full. Well, you're all full after Christmas, I'm sure. But... It's not that kind of food we're talking about here. But sheep lie down when they're satisfied with good food. And so as we daily feed on God's Word, this book, yeah, it will satisfy us and we can have a greater opportunity or chance of enjoying rest and peace in our lives. You know, there's nothing like a quality time in God's Word where He speaks to you and He talks to you. Something happens in here that increases your peace, increases your joy. For the sheep, their thirst was satisfied by the dew upon the grass prior to sunrise when it was still dark. And then the dew satisfied the sheep, enabling it to lie down contently all day, even as the sun rose and beat down upon it. As we feed upon the Lord, especially if it's possible, in the morning, it can give us strength for the day. 
And I think this was a key to the life of Jesus. Isaiah 50 and verse 4 says, He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear to hear as the learned. Jesus was awakened every morning. Time with God, hearing God's voice, being fed. If it's possible, early in the morning, in the morning sometime. If you can't do it then, we'll do it some other time, but spend that time with God. This is the way I see it. It's almost like God says, if you give me the first hour, or if you give me one hour, then I'll be with you for the next 23 hours. It's a good deal, isn't it? One for 23, give him one, he'll give you 23 hours of his presence. Psalm 23, verse 3, we're back there. It says, he restores my soul. I'm sure that you've found over the years God has been restoring your soul. Certainly has mine. And he's a great healer, a great restorer. It's usually a life's journey. It doesn't happen in one moment. Sometimes people get a radical transformation, but often it just takes time for it to happen. A lot of people have seen Michelangelo's paintings. They're called the frescoes. But they've actually not really seen them at all. The reason being is that since Michelangelo's brushes touched the plaster in the Sistine Chapel in Rome, with time, layer after layer of dirt has covered the paintings, so it stops people from really seeing the true beauty. Well, eventually the directors of the Vatican ordered a massive restoration project to lift the grime of five centuries. And what motivated this was they had found this solvent, a new cleansing solvent that can draw dirt off plaster without actually damaging the paint. Amazing. And so the results of the solvent have revealed unexpected colors, surprising even experts, and showing the true mastery of Michelangelo. But long before Michelangelo, another artist went to work. With great genius, he fashioned a magnificent work of art and called it Adam. This work was so brilliant, it bore the unmistakable traces of the image of God. Then he added another work and called it Eve. Before long, what could go wrong went wrong. And in their desire for freedom, the works of living art stepped into a sooty environment and soot, soot settled over them, obscuring the masterful touches of the artist. Time added more dirt until the original creations and its subsequent copies were covered with grease and grime. The keepers of the gallery tried all kinds of things to restore the works to their original brilliance, but nothing worked. Until 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Golgotha, a man named Jesus produced a red solvent capable of removing dirt from the most soiled life. And as the blood of Jesus flowed from his pierced side, the greatest work of restoration the world has ever known was underway 
as God set about restoring fallen humanity into the image of God. He restores my soul. God restores damaged lives to wholeness. It's often not a magic wand, but a step-by-step process of restoration over many years. Restore means to bring back to its original state, to a former condition. And I believe God is at work in your heart and in my heart. Yes, we've been soiled, we've been damaged by the events of life, but the great restorer is at work day by day in your heart, in your life, in mine, restoring us to the original image of God, the original creation that he desired for all of us to be. And as we continue to walk with God, I know the cry of my heart is, God, restore me. Restore me into that image that Adam and Eve had before the fall when they walked with God in the cool of the day. God, restore me that I can walk in a relationship with you that would cause me to marvel. God, restore me to your original intention, this marvelous human creation made in the image of God. Joel 2.25, And I will restore the years the locust has eaten, the cankerworm and the catamata and the palmer worm. God wants to lead us beside still waters. Four keys, you need to be free from fear, free from friction with other members, free from tormenting thoughts. We need to be full and satisfied with good food from God's word. He restores my soul. What an amazing God we have. Jesus is a wonderful shepherd. He can satisfy the deepest longings of the human heart. He is the cup that will not run dry. Our challenge is just to stay close to the good shepherd. And as we do, He will lead us beside still waters and he will restore our souls and return us into the image of God. Amen. Let's have the musicians, please. 